Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I am stuffed like a tick on a deer carcass. That's country. My 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 uh, lifelong, but you've reached Sundays with Dr. Sean. I'm Dr. Sean. Although, with what I'm about to say next, you'll question my academic uh, uh, bona fides. Um, my buddy used to tell me a saying all the time. Uh, I'm stuffed like a maggot in a deer carcass. Talk about living in your, that's a symbiotic relationship. That's what he used to say all the time. For you deer hunters, you never want to see a maggot in your deer carcass. I know. 90% of the folks have tuned out. They're like, Ugh. maggots are gross. They are, but they're important. Everything's important in some way or another. So today, we're welcoming you here. Thank you so much. Hey, by the way, if you are in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, or New Jersey, you are close enough in any of those states to be absolutely welcome to come join us. Um, we have so much good food. We had leek, uh, homemade leek. What's it called? Potato leek. Soup. I don't know what a leek is, but whatever. Uh, whatever it is, it's good. And then we had, of course, Jerry hooked us up. This time, Klondike bars, but all kinds of different Klondike bars. And we had watermelon, multiple bean salad. I hasten to count. I, some, I was someplace one time, somebody told me, oh, and deviled eggs, which are all gone. Uh, but I was someplace one time, and they were talking about uh, the bean salad. And I said, oh, what's that, five bean salad? They're like, five bean? That's 12 bean salad. It's like, ooh, you know, Sorry. I didn't count them all, but uh, and then we had some fried yard bird. We had some, I guess, we've got some hot sauce over there. We ha- and it's gone too. The homemade, made just before she got here, zucchini bread, which is awesome. Somebody just tell me officially from the doctor. She's bobbing her head like maybe, maybe. maybe. If you want to stretch it, sure. And uh, hey, uh, we got chat open. Welcome. We um, we've got uh, New York and Alaska on. 12 Bean, that's right, Alaska chimed in with 12 Bean. So good to have you all listening here in chat. Real quick announcement, uh, thank you to everybody that listened on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday was in the top 10% of our shows, and I thought that that would do really poorly, but it did really well, so awesome. Um, what else did I want to say? If you are, can I put this out to the whole 
everybody. You might have 100,000 people at your house, but we'll figure out a way. Uh, on Saturday, June 17th, now that gives you a little time, um, you can come down to Newark, Delaware, right at the border of Newark and, and uh, Hokuson, Delaware. People that aren't from here, Hokuson, Hokuson, they say it 900 different ways, but it's Hokuson. And uh, there's going to be a really cool thing with great food from the Mediterranean Grill. We're going to have fun kickball, uh, toss games, table games, crafts, puppets, music, and teaching on Abba Father. So that's going to be awesome. That's Saturday, June 17th. And instead of giving your number out because you could get a million calls, and uh, just contact me through the show page. That means you have to subscribe and follow on the show page. Contact me through the show page, and then we will tell you all about it. But it's going to be awesome. And uh, that's 11 to 5 on, on Saturday, June 17th. So we'd be real happy. Uh, one of our dear friends here is this is her, one of her ministries and um, saving people's lives and teaching nurses how to save lives. And in her off time, she leads people to Christ. Um, so that'll be fun. I'm hoping that I'm able to come to that. So this has been a crazy week, right? Who's had a crazy week? Anybody? Yeah, crazy. It's been a crazy week for me. Uh, as, as many of you know, and, and, and I really appreciate the note, the calls and the notes and the messages, and uh, my blood pressure has been really ridiculously high, and we just can't seem to get it down. But I think we've turned a corner, and uh, so we're hoping and praying that, you know, I'll continue to do what I'm supposed to do so that there's no excuse. We won't have an excuse. So anyhow, planting trees 20 years ago, sowing and reaping and being joyful today. So plant a tree for me, but plant it 20 years ago. You know the old Chinese uh, proverb, many of you have heard it, I'm sure you all have, you're so smart. There is never a better day to plant a tree than 20 years ago. That makes sense. I didn't ever think about it, but it does make sense. It's common sense. It's a Chinese proverb, but it's also common sense. Now, let me ask you, what are you most afraid of? Change. People are afraid of change. People afraid... I always hear this. Um, some people are wanting an owl update. We do not see the owls, the babies, or the mama and daddy, so... We will be sure to let you know, but I will break into the broadcast if an elephant or an aardvark goes to the backyard. That will absolutely happen. What you got there? Change. Oh, change. Yeah, there's change. <laughs> he's, he's not afraid of change. Uh, so one of the reasons for our suffering in all the walk uh, – by the way, we will definitely interrupt this broadcast if a giraffe or a zebra or – that's the correct way to say zebra, by the way. People people say it wrong. We've been raised to say it wrong, but I have a good friend who, um, where's Shane from? Zimbabwe. And he says, no, it's not zebra. And he makes a face. He says, it's zebra. I said, is that just the way you all say it? He goes, they're in my land, mate. <laughs> I'm all right, buddy. You're right. I'll take you. Plus, he's, you know, big, strong guy. And uh, so anyway, but a uh, three-toed sloth, if anybody sees it, we will interrupt the broadcast for that. Any sloth sightings interrupted right away. They do hang in trees, and we have trees here. So just I'm just saying, that's where I stand on that. If we suddenly stop, I'll give a play-by-play -play and pictures later So on the Internet. So one of the reasons for our suffering in all walks of life, no matter, no matter who, no matter who you are, I don't care if you're wealthy or you're poor, um, it's our resistance to life. It's inevitable that things change, even in, no, especially in, uh, for those people in Christ, especially for those people in Christ. We're afraid of it. We're afraid of change. And life is all about changes. To have lived is to have changed often. Change or die, the ubiquitous they say all the time. You change or you die. 
And sometimes for a lot of people, this is really difficult to accept. For some, it's impossible to accept. So this is what we're covering tonight. So you've tuned in at just the right time or the worst time. If this is something that you're like, ah, this is boring. I don't want to listen. <clears throat> sometimes this is difficult to accept, though. Who in here is eager for change? Well, amen. Amen. I know what change y'all are talking about, too. Being transported from here to heaven, you know. Yeah. There's no resisting that. Boy, everybody's everybody's all about that when they're like, man, let's go. So I'm not terribly resistant to change. I'll be real honest with you. I'm not terribly resistant to change. There are some things I don't like, but I'll 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 grumble, I'll groan, I'll growl, and then I'll go along and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But I just gotta go along a little bit. I gotta get a little bit along the way. I will say this what what you have today in life maybe what you wished you had by tomorrow. One day, today, what you have is what you wish you still had, wish you still had. You just never know. It can change so fast. Things change, and, and often they change spontaneously. When I think about this issue, I reflect on the many, and these are many, many moments in my life, uh, in, in which a, in a split second, everything literally and totally changed for me. In a split second, what about you? Anybody here who had that happen in your life? One minute it was one way. Amen. We're seeing a lot of hands. Um, one minute it was <clears throat> your life was this way. And then split second later, it's totally and radically changed. And in some cases, it's totally and radically changed for the better. I don't mean to present an image that, oh, woe is me, woe is everyone. Uh, but, but, you know, most of the time we don't have a problem with, why is that preacher always talking about negative change? Well, because usually we don't have a problem with when things are going perfectly and swimmingly and, you know, oh, I inherited $400 million. Oh, I was that person in California that had the, <clears throat> the one winning ticket for the $450 million Powerball, you know, that thing. That person's life. But, but you know what? Even that might not be a positive. You know, within five years, uh, the standard and average is within five years, most lottery winners are broke and going bankrupt. Families have broken up and all that stuff. I want to give it a try to prove that I can do it right. I'm just saying, well, test me, Lord. Go ahead and test me. But you know what? People and circumstances, they come and go in and out of our lives. And life doesn't press pause or stop for anybody. Now, I seem to remember years ago, I put somebody in charge of the time machine. I said, okay, what we need here is a time machine. I don't want to stop time. I just want to slow it down. Just slow it down a little bit. And that was an epic fail because time didn't slow down at all. It sped up. We just can't stop time. That's the reality. We can't stop time. And we can't stop change happening in our lives. That's something we have to accept. That's just a fact. Life moves kinetically, too. By the way, I, I want to interrupt myself to say on a serious note, uh, my, my very deepest condolences go out to the Army Ranger officers who uh, they were killed in Afghanistan uh, just yesterday or the day before, and to their families. I mean, obviously, now their families all know, and they're adapting to that. And if any of the families or any folks listening know those families, contact me through the show or through Facebook, and uh, I'll send you a free Living Through Grief on Purpose ebook. Um, and I believe that'll really help you. I, I you know, this is the way I think I, I use the term uh, kinetic engagement, it's a military. Uh, term, kinetic engagement. You know what that means? We're fighting. 
we're in a kinetic engagement. That means we're fighting. Um, there's there's combat going on. There's bullets flying both ways. There's bombs being dropped. Bridges being blown up. IEDs being planted. But you know, life, just general life, how we live, it is kinetic. It's it's at a frenetic pace. You know, if you think about how busy, how, you're going to hear more about my visit with my mom yesterday. But I was visiting with my mom, and she's 87. And you know what? She likes a slower pace. She's not in any big hurry. She doesn't need a bunch of technology. She doesn't need her TV, though. Um, she just likes a slower pace. She's got no need to rush, which is the opposite of what I think. You get to be 87 years old, you're thinking, uh-oh, my time's coming. No need to rush. You know, learn lessons. Say, don't be in a hurry. Stop with all your hurry. But here's where it gets a little ticky. This, this kinetic, frenetic pace, uh, it alternates from calm to chaos. You guys have heard me talk about the great book, um, Stress, uh, Stress for Success with Dr. Jim Laurie, who's one of my, one of my professors. Really fantastic book, L-O-E-H-R, Dr. Jim Laurie. It's old, but it's amazing. It's one of the, if you want to understand stress, that's the one to read. And you have calm to chaos. You have the oscillation, the, the vow, you have the peak, the stress is at the highest, and then it starts to go down, and then you're at your lowest. And then you're on the climb again, and you go up, it oscillates, goes up and down. That's actually healthy for us. helps us to be stronger. You know, when you lift weights, you do exercise, you stretch the muscle, then rest it. Stress the muscle, then rest it. Same way with your brain, same way with your heart, same way with your emotions. Can't be amped up all the time. That's not healthy. That's called linear stress. It won't help you. It won't help you or anybody else. But it seems like in those times, in those split seconds, Maybe we make decisions based on the calm or the chaos. We make a decision in a split second, and, and this happens to everybody every day. I mean, it's just it's something that, that happens in life. And I think it's probably happening with as many people as are listening to this show. Um, somebody listening to this show, their life is totally changing. This, this split second change, whether they brought it on themselves, you know, bad decision or good decision. It's probably happening to somebody, at least one person in this audience all across the world, right at this moment. A massive and sweeping change. It may be coming to you. And you're right here and you're right now. It's hard for us to picture because, right, we like, we like things to be kind of level and smooth and peaceful. But, you know, uh, we've got doctors and nurses and all kinds of people in here living all kinds of different lives. And stuff can get crazy real quickly. I mean, as a police officer, uh, the first thing I learned is it's hours of, of just utter boredom, followed immediately in one split second by absolute frenetic, kinetic explosion of activity, stress, and danger. It's absolutely amazing. We may not... When we're in these situations, we may not even know it. We may not even sense it until later on down the road. We may not know that everything seems to have exploded and we're, until we're picking up pieces. We're like, hey, what are all these pieces of my life falling down around me? Is that hail? No, that's my life. It all fell apart, exploded, and now the pieces of my life are falling around me. What do I do? Do I go pick them up? I often say change is a big IED, an indescribable event done. It's just, It's just... And then all of a sudden, everything has changed indescribably. Sometimes the shortest split second in time totally and completely changes the whole direction of our life. 
And maybe this is just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I am weird, but maybe there's more people of you that are weird than admit. And, and this is live or on replay. If you're listening to this on a replay, it applies to you too. Have any of you experienced a split second in your life where you could look back to a decision or an event that changed your direction, your life, your future, for the negative? We're talking now just about the negative. We're not talking about the positive. We're talking about the negative. Because the first thing in my it, that I came to my mind before I thought, no, 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 let's, let's take that direction first when I was writing this, was, well, hey, five years old, I came to Christ. I placed my faith in Christ, faith in Christ and everything really changed. Now, was there some major bad decisions and things I did wrong and stuff after that? Sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm an afflicted dude. But we're talking now about that negative, that one decision. Boy, it really – you can look back to that and you can say, wish I could undo that. Boy, I wish I could unring that bell. Uh, and it might have been a, a, a seemingly innocuous life decision. Rattles your whole world like a tornado in a direct hit on your house. I've lived through that. I've lived through multiple tornadoes. If there's a tornado warning, you better not be at my house because it's going to hit the house based on the, the – uh, so far, the odds are. Entire lives have been tornadically changed and twisted, traumatically inverted for better or for worse, on the strength of even – it could even be an unpredictable event. Maybe maybe it's a decision you made, you you actually made, but maybe it's just this unpredictable event that happened. Well, hey, friend, I, I'm here to tell you these events are always happening. These, this stuff is always happening. You know, when you live in a close community, or you, maybe you live way out in the country, but I would submit to you there's no closer community than being out in the country. Folks stick together out in the country. It's just a beautiful thing. I grew up that way. Sometimes we don't see everything that's happening. Uh, I have a good friend that doesn't own a television or a radio. And he says, what am I going to watch television and radio for? First of all, all they're doing is pumping lies. They're trying to talk me into buying something I don't need. And uh, then the news shows, who do you believe? Can't believe anything. And I just I just soon not waste my time with it. I'm not going to waste my time with it. I'm just not going to do it. Now, that's something I could do depending on where I live. If I lived out in the country you know, maybe on a lake, big, nice lake, maybe a kayak or two out there, plenty of hunting, a little bit of archery, some photography to do, maybe a, a big garden to plant. I got plenty to do. I might not care. I might not even pay attention. If I'm far enough away from everything, I said, man, I'm insulated. But, you know, those events, those negative events can happen no matter where you are. And sometimes look at cities, for instance, Detroit, Chicago, Wilmington, my goodness, there's, it's just so violent. It's just so violent. And, and there's the stories of the little kid, the little six-year-old that got shot in Wilmington, Delaware, just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Bad people around. But these events, they happen. No matter where you live in your life, they happen. You see, I'm not – the more seasoned, we'll use that term, folks in the audience, both here and around the world – the more seasoned folks, you're not going to be surprised by this statement. Um, in the natural here on earth, there is a reality that we absolutely have to acknowledge. We can't get past this reality. However good or bad a situation is now, rest assured, it will change. That's the one thing in the natural world we can count on. It's going to change. Behind all the details. Things are simple. And, and this is... This sounds very negative, but it's, um, it, it, I don't believe that it is. 
these changes that are going on in our life, they're simply proof of life on earth in the natural that we're limited. We're limited in this natural. This, these changes, they prove that we are limited in the natural. We're limited by the bonds of earth before we get to heaven. Everyone and everything is limited. You know, it's just the reality of life that we face. We've got limitations, things that we can do. Now, we can speak in sort of a platitudinal bumper sticker sort of way as Christians and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you're right. You're right. But here in the natural, until the supernatural gets involved, listen, you're not moving a mountain by yourself. One teaspoon at a time, you're not doing it. But if God decides to move that mountain through you, but we're talking about the natural. Something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. You hear it from me all the time. It's not my quote. It's uh, Abraham Heschel. But you know what? I love reading books. I love it. And I know I can't read all of the books I might want to read. I, I would like to try. I love books. I do. I love reading. But I can't read. There's a limitation there. I can't read every book I want to read. I want to be an expert in many different areas. I want to be a subject matter expert, a beneficial subject matter expert, and I know I can never train myself in all the different skill sets that I want to have. I just can't do it. I can start on it. I have a list. I'm working through it. I want to be of great value to the world. And all those around me, the people near me, I want to be able to bless them. I want to be a benefit. I want them to walk away going, man, I like that guy. He's a good guy. Man, do you hear what he said? That was really beneficial. you see what he did? That was really helpful. But you know what? I can't be all things to all the different people that I'd like to be. You can't. I have to accept the fact I can't live all of the life that I want to live. Why? Because things change. Sometimes things well outside my control, I, sometimes they alter the path a little bit. You know, I love spending time with my family and friends, uh, but as I had dinner with my 87-year-old mother yesterday evening, it fully occurred to me, and finally, that you know what? You can never spend all the time you want with the people you love. You want to. You can text them, wish you were here. Sure do miss you. My buddy Eric, it, it got me today. I was researching this sermon and I was going through, and he went to his reward a couple Sundays ago. And, uh, you know, we grew up together from kindergarten on. We went to school together. Great guy. And he, he passed away two Sundays ago. And I came across text, a couple text messages from him. And they were real sweet messages, you know, and they made me laugh because they were followed up briefly with within a minute of a call from him. saying, hey, man, did you get my text? I said, yeah, I got. that's how it works. You just press that go button, and it's right here. And then we laughed and talked about it, and he said a few things that really lifted me up. But in an instant, things changed. In an instant. You can't always spend all the time that you want or need to spend with your family and friends. You know what? In my photography, I, I want to present – you guys know I, I'm into photography. I want to present compelling images that cause people to pause and appreciate every sight, every sound, every color. But you know what? I can't present that because I don't have that skill yet. But you know what? You can't feel every color. You can't feel every possible color or tone or variation of emotional and physical experience. You can't. You, we're not capable of it yet. Not in this body. Maybe one day soon, perhaps very, very soon, it'll be my obituary that people are reading. 
they'll read all about the better me, the be that I wish I, the me that I wish I was. You know, obituaries are always this big. He did anything for everybody. He was so nice, and he never had an unkind word. You know, uh, he give you the shirt off his back. You know, he wasn't so fat I could have took his shirt, but it was too big. He was five sizes bigger than me. I couldn't wear it, so I said no. You know, thank you for the offer of your shirt. Keep your shirt on. That's what we want. <laughs> you know. That's always the way it is. My obituary would be like, whew, thank God. That was a long time. Get us that refrigerator. We don't need to keep the box. But you know what? Maybe someday soon somebody will be reading my obituary. And then they'll say, hmm, maybe I need to think about my life. Look, I'm going to be 52 in September. I'm real close to it. Uh, everybody except for one in here is older than me. Just a baby, yeah. But I can tell you this, I can tell you this, it finally hit me yesterday, sitting there, having dinner with my mom. Wow. She started listing off the people that I went to school with that she knew of that died. You know, at the end of the first year, senior year, there was a guy, a kid named, I uh, knew this kid, he was a quirky dude, but he was, he was ahead of his time. He was like a real genius kid, but he's real quirky. And uh, he was a private pilot, I think at 14 years old. And unfortunately, there was a malfunction right before graduation, and he crashed and he died. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. He and the, the co-pilot passed away, were killed in this plane crash. Terrible. It's shocking. But, you know, within one year, six people from my graduating class died. Six people. The first year, my mom started listing off all these people that since then she'd read their obituary. You know, she lives where I grew up, and she read their obituaries, and and she said, oh, I bet that person graduated right around so on. This, that, and the other. She started rattling off these names. And I said, wow, you know what? You're right. And then I started to have this heavy feeling on my chest. I guess maybe my blood pressure might have crept back up because I was thinking, whew, I guess I might be next. Lord knows. I've been at the edge a whole bunch of times. When you start seeing that, you start pondering your place in life. Those people that... Maybe they read my obituary. They might start thinking about how they might start exercising and, and eating better. Maybe even force yourself to eat, thank God nobody brings these, kale or beets on purpose, intentionally. Ugh. Somebody keeps telling me, oh, you haven't had my beets. My beets are the best beets in the world. You would love me. You think it was eating candy. You have to show me. I go all Missouri on you. You got to show me. I'm not eating a beet yet that I thought was half decent. Ugh. And kale is not far behind. Ugh. But maybe maybe you read my obituary and you're like, hmm, I better start eating that kale and those beets. They're supposed to be healthy. Maybe I start exercising. Maybe a little less. Maybe I get a little more sleep. Maybe I start valuing life a little bit more. Maybe I get around to those prayers I was going to pray. Maybe I, I get around to reading the Bible like I said I would a hundred thousand times. Maybe living in joy like I threatened I would. You know that ubiquitous someday. I'm going to get around to that some day loving those you love a little bit more but then what actually happens i'll tell you what actually happens this is the truth of the matter you all know it you all know this as interesting as this is let me go back here i'm, I'm going to read you something i wasn't going to but i changed my mind it's my prerogative apparently i'm near death according to the sermon you all might want to write this down i'll do it later this here This will be worth it, trust me. Or don't trust me. There's no guarantee. 
I want you to think about something. I want you just to take a pause right now and think about, I just want you to think about one thing, and not, not ten things, one thing, that you said you were going to get to someday. <laughs> Jerry, oh, my lands, Jerry. <laughs> they say kale. It's real good with coconut oil. Because it makes it easier to scrape into the <laughs> Come on, Jerry. Oh, he is not helping me eat kale, that nasty stuff. It smells bad. I can't get past the smell. And it's this is the big new thing, this kale. It's going to save the world, I guess. Let's give it to ISIS. That'll straighten them right up. So so let me let me just ask you. Let me just ask you that one thing. That one thing doesn't have you don't you don't have to say it. Listening around the world, you don't have to say it. Whichever one it is, you can keep it to yourself. Or if you're listening with your family member or friends, you can say you know to them. But here you don't have to. You know, I'm not going to ask you to say. Well, what's one of those things? But that one thing that that you had said. What do they call it now? They call it a bucket list, right? That's the cool way. This is on my bucket list. I'm it's in my. I'm going to do this. Uh, my son told me about uh, this elderly lady at where he works. Her bucket list, one of the items on her bucket list was to do this thing where he works. I don't want to say what the place is just because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But uh, and, she, and she went and she did it. I know people personally, elderly people, who said, look, before I die, I want to have, I want to know what it's like to jump out of an airplane and parachute. As a guy who's done it many, many times, I'm telling you, if that's going to be the last thing you do, it's awesome. People say it's crazy, but it's awesome. I absolutely love it. It's addictive. You do it once, you want to do it 100 times a month. It is. It's awesome. You won't believe it. You, re, you will reevaluate your life. You will reevaluate your life every time you stand at that door and the jump master gives you the go sign, the green light goes on. You leap. First thing I always think is, boy, I hope that parachute packer wasn't drunk or something. I hope he got a good night's sleep and was very detail-oriented. You know, the next thing is when that wind hits you at 125 miles per hour, you're seeing the curve of the earth from if you go out high enough, and it's amazing. It's stunning. But the someday, that someday thing, I just want you to think about it. I just want you to think back of your mind, the someday thing. Some people, there's some people in here said, man, someday I want to go to Israel. Someday I want to go to Israel. That's, man, I live to go to Israel. I want to go. I, I feel the call to Israel. And some in here have done that. And they've come back saying, whew, that place is hard to walk in, but it's amazing. The someday thing. I want you to think about that someday thing as I go on the back of your mind. I know you can, I know that you can, uh, you can do two things at once, multitaskers. See, we're so afraid of change. Sometimes we're afraid of even the positive changes that over time we fall back into the old patterns of disbelief and lack of trust in God. Lack of initiative or discipline. Listen, a lot of our spiritual life, our, our faith life, and I, and I don't like to use that term because it's life life. You know, I'm into the Hebrew worldview uh, in the language, the land, the people, the context, all of that. I'm into that. I like to study as I'm reading scripture. I like to also study that time period 
that's what that thing I gave you and Jill is great for, because as you're reading through, you go up to this big wheel and you look, oh, wow, that was going on in other parts of the world at the same time. Context, it really brings you into context. But it's interesting. I like to have my culture books out and all that to be reading as I go, because I, I, I just really enjoy that. I really do. But the fact of the matter of it is, it comes down to a discipline issue. Reading scripture, praying. Please don't ever be guilty of this. Hey, would you mind praying for me? Uh, I really need your prayers. And then you, you forget two seconds in. I say if, you're, if you don't have a little thing on your phone, prayer request, put it in. I have one in my notes section. Somebody tells me, hey, could you pray for me? One, I have a brain injury. I have to type it out right then and there. You know, yes, I will. And then I set a reminder. And then that reminder reminds me to say, hey, how's that thing working out? I was praying for. They probably forgot by then. But they, they're touched. The community of believers, they're touched when you say, hey, I've been praying for this. How's that going? That's ministry, man. That's ministry. You say, I'm not a minister. Mm-mm. Yeah, you are. And that's one of the ministries anybody can do. But all it, all it really is is a lack of initiative, a lack of discipline in doing God's divine will. Why? Because many people hate change. They hate change. I know somebody listening right now, and they know who they are. Their life is miserable. It's been fraught with 100,000 terrible choices, the worst possible choices. And you know what? It's going to be tough from here on out until the massive sweeping changes are made in their life. Massive sweeping changes. There's people that they've got to get out of their life to purge their life of toxic, negative, dark, people and that's just got to happen but that means change that means change if you think about it how many people do you know that are living uh in a relationship right now or maybe they're they, at their work they they hate going to work because the people are so toxic and mean and just evil dark i've i said today on social media delaware is lost the state of delaware is lost the legislation that we've lost every single thing that, that has been put by the ultra-radical left in Delaware, this week has won every single thing. Late-term abortions all the way up until delivery, lost. Assisted suicide, lost. Counseling a person uh, that they want to be transgender uh, or LGBT, you can't counsel them now. That's against the law. They're working on making it illegal to counsel someone about abortion. And you know what? They'll probably win. It's absolutely unbelievable how dark this state has gotten. In the chest, yeah, the owls left there in Pennsylvania now because of it. Most of its people hate change, I'm telling you. I wish it were less simple than more, you know, I could give you some more complex thing, but that's absolutely the truth. In, in the chess match of life, now I'm not a great chess player, but I do know this, we're all born awesome. God created us awesome. People, people born with challenges, they're, uh, they, they absolutely are awesome. They're awesome, though. Down syndrome kids. I worked with Down syndrome kids and uh, the mentally retarded children with um, Special Olympics. That was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. That, that, for me, was one of the proudest times of my life, honestly, and, and most beautiful. Born awesome. But when 
we're going through life, we receive this unique set of unexpected limitations and variables in the field of play of life. You hear people talk about, you know, I don't get a fair shake because of my color, because of my gender, because of my education, because of my lack of education, because of my looks. Many studies, many studies say beautiful people have an easier way of life. Just It's just a fact in all this. I don't know if that's true. I've never experienced it being easier, and of course you know. I would know if a beautiful person has an easier way of life. Nothing from anybody? Smirks. That's all I get. Thank you, Miss Gloria. I appreciate that. Probably blowing up over that. The fact is, and I guess this is really the ultimate and potentially final question, how will you play the hand that you've been dealt in life? Some people in this room and around the world, undoubtedly this size of audience, some people have it hard. You know, I thought I had it a little bit difficult. I was always pre-crash. I was always a pretty positive person. I was always upbeat. I could felt like I could do anything. I never, I never felt limited in any way. I honestly didn't. I was, I was all about. All right, you want to, you want me to do that? All right. I said yes too much, did I? I did way too much. But I kill myself keeping my promise. But then the crash happened, and suddenly I had all these huge limitations. And let me just give you a little tip. This is free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. I denied my limitations for at least a couple years, I would think. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't deny my limitations anymore. I, I couldn't deny it. I had to face facts. And it was hard. And it still is difficult. But what I learned is I can either focus on the lack, what I can't do, lack of abundance, the lack of uh, freedom from pain, the lack of risk of dying, all of these different things, lack the whole big list of things that I lack now. Or I can empower myself to unrestrained faith in Yeshua. Play the game of life sensibly and resourcefully. Now some people might say, well aren't you the ones all the time talking about you want to be around animals that can kill you? Yes, I do want to be around bears. And The only thing though, let me say this. I want to be around animals that can kill me if I can breathe in their environment. That's why I don't want to be, you know, I was a beach kid. I grew up at the beach. I don't want to be in the water with sharks anymore. I've decided that I'm not going to win that. That is not a win for me. Because that shark can take me underwater, and that shark is fine not breathing the air. I have an issue for after a minute or so, I've got to breathe some air. So all he's got to do is hold me down. I think he's got too much of an advantage. So that one I don't want to be around. What's that? Hey, listen, first of all, I don't think I can fight a bear. This is my son for the radio audience. He says, but you can fight a bear. First of all, let me just say this. I wouldn't have to fight the bear. I think the bear and me, given the right circumstances, I think we would come to an understanding. The understanding, of course, is I've got to stay far enough out of his reach to keep myself alive. So you might say living sensibly, I'm, I've already, that's, that ship has sailed for me. Right. If I got a 308, I'm good to go. Making the best, the very best out of every outcome as it arises, even when it's heartbreaking and hard to accept. I have a friend of mine that in the last year and a half has lost nine family members. Lost his twins to a car crash. Graduation night, I think it's two years ago. High school graduation night, the twins were killed in a car crash. The wife 
the night before the funeral, was diagnosed with liver cancer. Never smoked, never drank, early to bed, early to rise, good person. Diagnosed with liver cancer, eight and a half weeks later, he buries his wife. His mother, his father, his one remaining grandfather, all died within that space of time. And then a couple friends at work, I think he, he lost, like his best friend and other stuff. It was a devastating time for him. I just sent him my Living Through Grief on Purpose ebook, and, and I, I pray it helps him. You can get that ebook for free, by the way. If you subscribe and follow on Blog Talk Radio, you can get that. I'll send it to you for free. It would be my pleasure. Sometimes you have to make the very best of the outcome, even if it's heartbreaking and hard to accept. This man, this friend of mine, um, he, he told me that the place where he is right now is that he looks around his house and he doesn't hear the laughter of his children. He was preparing himself to have to drive to the college. They both got scholarships to the same college. They were going to room together. That was the big plan. They were, they were, the, they were sisters, sisters in life and, and sisters in death. And he's figuring out how he's going to manage his schedule so he can make sure he gets to their college once a month. That was his game plan. He wanted to have, wanted to have lunch or breakfast with his girls once a month. And he had just about worked out how he was going to do that. And he said, you know, I look around now, my wife is gone. They did not know she was sick. She lost a lot of weight, but they couldn't figure out why. There's a deer, by the way. I'm, I'm got my eyes open for the sloth. Not an aardvark. I'm looking for sloth and aardvark um, or zebra. But, uh, you know, now life, he looks around his house. His wife's not there. His twins aren't there. You, you think he could get on the phone and talk to his mom or his dad. They're both gone. How about his grandpa, who used to take the girls fishing all the time? Gone. He said, all of a sudden, now I'm standing here, I've got to make this new life. My life is heartbreaking, and it's hard to accept. What in the world do I do now? And I said, you've got to live through grief on purpose. You've, you've just got to do it. You've got to make the very best of every outcome as it arises even when it's heartbreaking and hard to accept. You can deny life's challenges like I did. You can do it all you want. You can. They won't go away. Without action from you, they won't go away. You say, well, I thought you were a preacher. You're supposed to pray about everything. Yeah, you are supposed to pray about it. But let me tell you something. There are a lot of Christians and followers in, in faith in Christ who they think that's all they have to do. There's another step to praying. Pray and believe. Leave part's the hard part. You know, I know people, I know people who pray so eloquently, and I used to be that guy. Believe it or not, people used to always ask me, you know, Sean, I would sure love it if you'd pray. I go to churches, remember? I go to a church, and they point me out and say, boy, would you be willing to pray for this or that? I've never been in that church. Would you be willing to pray? And I could pray an eloquent prayer, beautiful eloquent prayer, almost like poetry. And I stopped praying like that. I stopped praying like that because you know what I thought? Wait a second. God knows how I talk. Pray and believe. Pray and believe that God is listening. That, that God gives a hoot, reference to owls, 
Uh, God gives a hoot about you. Listen, if you don't believe God cares about you, there's no point in opening your mouth until you believe that you matter to him. But maybe the first prayer you pray is, Father, come into my heart. Maybe you don't believe that God cares about you because he's not fully in your heart. You've got to place your faith in him. You've got to take action. Listen, they're not going to go away empty praying. You've got to trust and obey. Trust and obey. People say, I don't know what God's call on my life is. I don't know what he wants me to do. It's two steps. Trust and obey. Look, I'm going to tell you this, and I've learned this firsthand. We have not been promised tomorrow. And the Holy Scriptures, they don't promise us an easy life here, this side of heaven. They don't. Those who do not believe, atheists, people who are against God, they will frequently say, I can prove to you there is no God. Cancer, leukemia, birth defects, Parkinson's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, MS, heart disease, little four-year-olds getting hit by a car while they're playing ball, something falling off of a roof and killing a little kid or a uh, you know, an innocent person. A bullet from street violence going into a house and killing a, I, uh, There, I can prove to you. I can prove to you that. I can absolutely prove you go through that list of things and that's going to prove that there is no God. But, you know, they don't understand. We live in a fallen, broken world and stuff is messed up. You you could say, Carson, I can prove, I prove to you this is a sweet, amazing young man. He's amazing. Faith to the core. Unbridled witness in, in his, in, in, I don't know how many times he's been in the hospital. But he's ministering to kids. He's first, as soon as he can walk, he gets up and he walks around the ward that he's in. And he prays for each room as he goes. This is a kid. Didn't nobody tell him to do that? We have not been promised tomorrow, and we have not been promised an easy ride here on earth. No, we have not. I would love to be that guy in the fancy seersucker suit who sweat preaches. You know what that is when they're sweating. they got a little handkerchief or a thing. They're preaching so hard, they're wiping their face every 10 seconds. Sweat preaching, that's what I call that. I don't know if anybody else pick up on that. I should trademark it. He t- he's sweat preaching for you to give your last $1,007.37 in a seed gift, and through the release of your faith and $1,007.37, all will be well and prosperous in your life. But since I don't look good in seersucker, I'll just tell you, this is the honest truth. This is the truth with a capital T. The truth from the Savior and from Scripture. These days on earth even, especially for those who believe in the Lord, they might just be difficult. Lots of challenges. But ultimately, heaven awaits. See, that's the difference. That, that is the huge difference for those who believe. Heaven awaits us. We're, we're, we're going to be translated into Christ's perfection. The grace that comes from his sacrifice on our behalf washes every sin. Why does snow? That's easy to say. 
But ultimately, heaven awaits. We know, we know that. But is that all there is for Christians? Is that all there is here in the natural for us as believers? Here on earth, are we supposed to be satisfied with some sort of miserable, unredeemable life? Well, in the end, what matters most on this side of the veil is to focus on what matters most. That's hard to do. What matters most? Serving Christ and Scripture. Serving Christ and practicing, learning, and living Scripture. Given by the Father until, until what? Until one day he will call us home or he'll come get us when the lightning splits the sky from east to west in a moment, until. We serve God until he comes. By doing so, you get to truly experience the various sources of beauty and opportunity in your life. Look, we're standing here. This is a beautiful setting, no doubt about it. This family has faced, the folks that own this place, they face suffering and sorrow. But look, we just saw a deer walking through. We're talking about the owls. and I don't know if there's actually zebra out there, but I'm holding out hope. And we have God's beauty here to look at and to revel in and to say, wow, how blessed we are. We have the company of one another. I tell you what. This Kehalah, you want to have your, your spirits lifted, come come eat with us one Sunday. Come here at 5 o'clock. I, I don't know what my guarantee's worth, but I'm still coming. It means something. It's not just the food, it's the people. And the people in here have ministered to one another through some very tough times. Forsake you not the gathering of the saints, folks. Church is not about some big fans. I talk about this in Excellence Killed the Church. How many actors doing America? You can get it on Amazon.com. I talk about it in my book. Look, the church isn't about the building. It isn't about the fancy stuff you do in the building. The church is about the people in the church and the Christ in the people. Living and doing what he's called you to do. I'm sorry to tell you, it may not be some big fancy thing. It may be making sure all the food gets put away. It may be making sure the chairs get put up. Maybe making sure the bathrooms are clean. Making sure there's toilet paper. You know, that may be your job. As I review my life, and I did a lot of it, especially today, as I review my life thus far, there have been many, many failures on my part. Not going to lie. Many failures. Lots of plans that didn't work out as I thought or didn't think all the way through. <laughs> now, let's take a moment. Let's revisit this notion of being limited by the reality of not being able to spend all the time you want with someone you dearly love. When someone you love passes away too soon, that's undoubtedly one of the most heartbreaking limitations to cope with. Amen? We have several ladies here who their husbands have gone to their reward. They're gone. I know people that have lost their children. I talked to mom last night. My 52-year-old brother, gone. She never thought... In, any, there was, she never thought there was any chance in the world that she was going to bury her son, her second, uh, second youngest son. <clears throat> I'm the baby, of course, but he was my next older brother by two years. Never thought that. She said that's the worst pain she has ever experienced. But you know what she said last night? She said, but I know he's with God. I know all struggles are, are they're gone now. They're healed in the presence of perfection. 
but it doesn't make it terribly easy when you think about it. Your spouse, your child, your parent, many people in here, their parents have passed, and it's brutal. I tell you, when my mom goes, I'll probably preach the funeral, but you all better just hang on and bring me a box of tissue. I love that woman. I admire her. She's little but mighty, and she's been powerful in my life. I've been mad at her, and she's done some things that weren't perfect. But I'm going to tell you something. Somebody better hold me up. You better bring something to hold me up. That will not be easy. And you know what? When someone you love passes away too soon, sometimes the nicest thing in the world somebody could say to you sounds like blah, blah, blah. You're just making noise, man. You don't know what I'm dealing with. The general principles for coping with this kind of tragic limitation universally applicable to the less severe situations, too. Imagine a person. I want you to actually imagine this. Imagine a person who gave great meaning into your life, at least not, not, not just in the flesh. I don't, I don't mean that. But this person really gave great meaning to your life. And you're not the same person without them in your life. You've had to change who you are. Maybe you're now a best friend who sits alone, a widow instead of a wife, a dad without a daughter, or a next-door neighbor to someone new. You want life to be the way it was before death, but it never will be. Never will be. You, the audience listening here and the audience listening around the world, and and I, we're all real people here. We've dealt with the loss of siblings and best friends to terminal illness or sudden tragic events. So we know from experience that when you lose someone you can't imagine living without, your heart breaks wide open. Who in here has experienced heartbreak? True heartbreak. Man, I have. Your heart breaks wide open. And the bad news is you never completely get over the loss. Now, wait a second, mister, you're hawking this Living Through Grief ebook. What in the world? That ebook is as good as it is, and it's good. As true as it is, and it's true. As beneficial as it is, it isn't going to heal everything. You never completely get over that loss. You will never forget them. And this is kind of in a backwards way, I guess. There's also the good news. There's some good news here, by the way, and I mean this when I say it. My Living Through Grief, it's free. You don't get charged for it. If you subscribe and follow, even if you haven't gone through grief but you know somebody has, I will send it to you. Subscribe and follow me on the blogtalkradio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. Send me me a Twitter message at the Ninja Pastor or on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. I will send it to you for free, honest to goodness. No strings attached. You see, death is an ending. And look, man, I, I, I wish that I had better news for you, but death is that which is a necessary part of living. Have you all heard the saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Endings are necessary for beauty, too. Otherwise, it's impossible to appreciate someone or something because they're unlimited in the saving power of the risen Lord and vacated grave. Listen, folks, if if here on earth we knew nobody ever dies, it's 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 that temporariness, that 
that that fleetingness, that quickness of all of a sudden they're here and then they're gone. One of the worst uh, fatal accidents I ever handled as as a police officer years ago was these these three girls. They were coming back from a Navy game. They were, I think they went to the University of Massachusetts or Connecticut or somewhere. They were up there and they said, hey, this weekend, let's go to a Navy game because I think one of their boyfriends is on the team or something. And so all these girls, they get in the car and they, they drive down to the Naval Academy. Man, they had fun. And they were coming back in the wee hours of the morning and I don't know how they didn't hear the train. I don't know how they didn't see the train. But she made a right turn. The driver made a right turn, went about uh, 30 yards and drove right into the path of a, of, of a train going 40 miles an hour. Killed, killed all of them instantly. And I had to call each one of those parents and tell them that their daughter was gone. The girl in the back was clutching. There was, the death was so instantaneous, there was zero blood. I'm told that you know their, their neck snapped, and they were gone from this world immediately. The girl was in the back. She looked like she was sleeping, holding a teddy bear. Not a speck of blood on that teddy bear. Illuminate beauty. And death is a definitive limit. It's a reminder that we need to be aware of this beautiful person or this beautiful situation we're in or this beautiful opportunity or this beautiful home or this beautiful yard or the beautiful sunrise or the beautiful beach or the beautiful pond, or the beautiful friendships. And in, and, and in the end, appreciate this beautiful thing Christ gives us through life. Death, it's also a beginning for those who have placed their faith in the Lord Yeshua. Because while you've lost someone special, this ending, like every loss, is a moment of reinvention and reinvigoration of your life for Christ here and now on earth. Maybe you had, maybe you've experienced a terrible loss. Your spouse has died. You've lost a child, your parents, your best friend. And you can't, you know, listen, you all have been there. You all raised your hand. That loss that when you pick up that phone, you know before anybody on the other line talks, it's the worst possible news. And you can't barely breathe. but we're not supposed to stay there. There's life to be lived. The gift of life is from Christ. And, and these moments, although they're sad, that loved one's passing from here in this life to eternity in Christ forces you to reinvent your life. And in this reinvention, you have a new opportunity to experience beauty in new and unseen ways and places. And in my ebook, I talk about this. I say, hey, listen, you, you don't want to feel any better. You don't want to laugh. Because you think that's just how would I be here laughing? I do a lot of speeches to Gold Star families, and they all say the same thing. If somebody says something funny, I catch myself laughing. I stop myself and say, wait a second, my kid's still gone. How can I stand here laughing if my kid is gone? And I tell them, did your kid like make you laugh? Did they ever like to do something funny? They play pranks on you, and then they laugh. They stand over there laughing at you. Did your spouse ever do that? Did they ever try to make you laugh? Cut out a funny out of the newspaper? send you a link to something funny and make you laugh, a little video. Elephants trying to play with the birds or a dog playing with their hummingbird. Then you should laugh. And every laugh is a memorial to that person. 
Believe it or not, it really is. Every laugh, every time, and maybe if you and, and that person used to love to read books and talk about that book, your take on that book. You say, well, I, I can't half read anymore. It just makes me too sad. I miss the person so much. Let that be a memorial to that person. Let it remind you to really live. And finally, of course, death is an opportunity to celebrate a person's natural life and now the perfect painless eternity they're now enjoying. And to be grateful for the priceless beauty that they showed you or lessons they taught you here on earth. Some of those lessons now, some of those lessons are kind of kind of tough. Maybe that person that passed that you dearly missed, maybe sometimes was hard on you, reminding you. Make sure you lock and bar that door, honey. Make sure, you know, you've got your firearm with you. Make sure it's in good working order. Do your press check. Do all these different things. Where's your fire extinguishers? Know where your fire extinguishers are. Don't mess around and have an expired fire extinguisher. Have your head on a swivel. Where's your flashlight? Check your... All these different... That's love. That's love. That's what a person does that loves another person. Hey, don't let your gas tank get too low now. Never know. You get caught in a backup and you run out of gas, then you're in a fix. Wintertime, keep a blanket in your car. Time keeps some water. Or as we say, water. Maybe they showed you things. Priceless beauty. Or maybe, you know, my dad and I weren't terribly close. Our relationship totally changed the last several years of his life. He didn't drink anymore. And he was really a, a, a changed, changed man. I'll tell you something. When I look around and I see wildlife, I see my dad. When I walk my dog in a meadow or somewhere and all those birds are flying around me, I know that they're not flying around me because they like me. I tell myself that. But the fact of the matter is I remember my father. I remember watching him mow. Now, we could never have a riding lawnmower until all the kids move out. What's dad get? He gets a riding lawnmower. I asked him one time, I said, Dad, Why'd you go and get a riding lawnmower now? He goes, because my, my riding lawnmower's moved out. My, my mowing crew moved out. I, I'm not going to push mow that. I remember coming to visit my dad and my mom and sitting out on that porch watching dad mow that grass and, and watching these birds fly so close to him. He said he, you know, he had such a, a good relationship with them. They would actually come up to the screen. He would have hummingbirds come up to the screen. He'd put his hand, and they would just tap his hand. It was amazing. Hummingbirds would land on him. He was just some, and he wasn't a country boy. The last parts of his life were, but he grew up in the city. But I remember hearing laughter over the lawnmower, and they would just make him laugh, flying all around him, and he'd boy, isn't that something? I learned that from him. I loved wildlife, don't get me wrong, I loved wildlife. I grew up out in nature, grew up on a farm, and, and there was nature everywhere around, and I loved it. I was always out in the woods or in the water or somewhere where there was nature and wildness. I loved it. But my dad taught me to appreciate all those things, the beauty, the flower, the tree. Um, you know, we used to sit and talk about it for hours. And you know he told me about the mockingbirds. The mockingbirds the only bird that doesn't have its own song. It can do hundreds of other birds. It does not have its own song. I didn't know that until my dad told me that. And now when I hear a mockingbird, and there's mockingbirds all around my house, I think of my dad. That's a memorial when I smile and I think of my dad. And I'm not saying a tear doesn't fall sometimes. Man, I sure miss being able to call you, tell you what I saw. 
I want you to think right now about a person, that moment, that person in your life that's here no more, that truly lived life as fully and as completely and as sacredly as they could. I want you to think through their eyes, if you could, that sacredness of life. I'm thinking of a person who I didn't know personally, but that blessed me immensely. We'll try to get through this without crying. This guy, Diane, rocked my world. His name is Anthony John Berger. He was born June 5th, 1961, just four years younger than me. And he died February 22nd, 2006. He was an American pianist, a singer, and most closely he was associated with Southern Gospel music. Anthony Berger was born normal kid in Cleveland, Tennessee, to Richard and Jean Berger. At age eight months, he was using a baby walker. At eight months, he was like me, he walked very early. He fell into a heating duct on the floor of his house. He suffered third-degree burns on his hands, his face, and his legs. And after suffering these terrible burns, Berger's doctor told his parents that he was very likely to not be able to move his hands in the future. A little boy. Despite the odds, Berger recovered, and at the age of five, he was accepted to the Kadek Conservatory. I'll read that again for you. At the age of five, he was accepted at the Kadek Conservatory, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, for he was a child prodigy. Berger began playing classical piano repertoire within a few years. Let me go back. He was burnt so bad they didn't even think he could move his hands. And at the age of five, he was accepted to this prestigious conservatory at the University of Tennessee. Berger graduated from Bradley Central High School in Cleveland, Tennessee. Berger's first recording, Anthony Berger at the Lowry Organ, which I've heard, was released in 1975 when he was 14 years old. He recorded with the Celestials on their album Old Fashioned Gospel in 1976. He joined the Kingsman Quartet at age 16. And y'all that don't listen to gospel, the Kingsman Quartet is kind of like a big deal. He was 16. He remained with them until 1992. During that time, Berger recorded 19 projects with the group and was voted favorite pianist in the Singing News Fan Awards for an unprecedented 10 years. The award was renamed the Anthony Berger Award for several years after that. And during this period, Berger actually himself presented the award to a winner each year. But he was then he made himself ineligible to win the award ever again. In 1992, Berger left the Kingsman Quartet to pursue a career as a solo pianist. He joined the Gaither Homecoming Tour with the, fo the following year and was featured on more than 65 Homecoming videos, which I'm going to be honest with you, I've likely watched... I don't know. Y'all know. I listen to that stuff all the time. There's this thing called YouTube that you don't have to pop a tape in. You just put it on there. I set it to run. Look out. Come to my house. Worship time, which who knows when that'll be. Could be all different times. You're going to hear music, gospel music, booming from the house. Berger continued to release piano solo recordings and headline concerts, but his solo schedule was balanced by about 80 Gaither homecoming dates per year. Adding more variety to his schedule, Berger formed an impromptu sideline group with Ivan Parker. You guys, if you're into gospel, you know who he is. And Kirk Talley, of course, know who he is. Around 19, 1998, called the Trio. They performed at all kinds of events. 
Berger was known throughout his career to tell of how God healed his hands, and playing the piano was his way of praising God. Did you get that? This terrible thing happened to him when he was just a little bitty boy. Third-degree burns on his face, his arms, and his hands. The doctor said, your boy's never going to be able to move his hands. Don't tell no. Don't tell God what you can't do. But you know, if that family wasn't a family of faith, and if this man, Anthony Berger, wasn't a person of faith, even at an amazing young age, he knew his gift came from God. This is what he said. I'll tell you in a second what he said. But I want to ask you a question. What did God heal you from? What did God heal you of during your life that you sometimes forget to praise him for? Come on now. Look, I've talked a whole lot of negative stuff, but hear this guy, Anthony Berger. A terrible thing happened in his life. And he praised God for it. During the course of his astounding career, Anthony teamed up with gospel saxman Dan Traxler, who is probably one of the best saxophone players in the world. And they were well on their way to establishing yet another pinnacle in Anthony Burr's already impressive career. Over 100 tracks. To their, if you Google it, you'll find it. You'll listen. You'll be like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. Dan and Anthony were two musicians who truly understood each other, and they understood where their gift came from. Now I want to tell you a little something. The Hazelton P Brothers Piano Company honored Anthony Berger just after the turn of year 2000 when they began offering the Anthony Berger Signature Model Piano. Then, in 2005, Steinway & Sons, Steinway & Sons, one of the very best piano manufacturers in the world, they introduced for the first time in history, the first Southern Gospel pianist ever to hold the honor of being one of their endorsing artists. Never been done before and hasn't since. However, and I have to tell you, I was watching television on this day. This was a, this was a cruise that I really wanted to go on. It was the Gaither Gospel Hour cruise. I wanted to go on this cruise. Man, I could just want to say, you can sit and listen to gospel music on a cruise for seven days? Yes, I could. I easily could. At the age of 44 years old, my very favorite of all-time piano player, Anthony Berger, died of a massive heart attack while performing aboard the MS Zutterdam. This was a cruise ship that was chartered for a Gaither cruise. I was watching television, and you know what? You know what the crawl is at the bottom going across? It announced on, on regular, regular television, it announced that famed gospel pianist Anthony Berger dead at 44. Here's what they didn't say. According to many of the eyewitnesses that were there, Berger was accompanying Bill and Gloria Gaither and Guy Penrod, another one of my favorites. Also lives in Tennessee, right near Cleveland. When fans in the audience, they noticed that Berger had ceased moving. He had stopped moving. That his hands were clenched like this and he was leaning over the keyboard. Several fellow artists ran up on stage and carried him backstage. And the, uh, the ship's emergency uh, medical team performed CPR for about 45 minutes to no avail. In one brief and totally unpredictable moment, this truly once-in-a-lifetime talent, a true family man, had two kids, a wife, happy dude, so happy. Nobody had ever, had ever been around him and said, man, 
That's a happy guy. Nobody said different. That's a grateful guy. Man, that, that guy, that guy, whew, he loves God. Boy, you don't ask him how he's doing. You'll be 45 minutes later trying to figure out how you can get away, but then you don't want to get away because he's oozing all this God's love and gratitude all over you. He gave every bit of worship and glory to the Lord with all that he had, and in an instant he was gone. But I want you to hear this. Anthony Berger was quoted many times as saying, May I die with the praise of God? Mm. May I die with the praise of God on my lips and the pressing of the piano keys in total adoration and appreciation for the healing power of Christ upon my body. And he did. They said as they were about to zip him up, into the, the body bag to carry him to the infirmary, to make the calls, to do all those things. They said as they were zipping the bag up, they stopped for a moment, and they looked at his face, and he was grinning from ear to ear. The clench of his fist when apparently the heart attack came upon his body was no longer there. His fingers were splayed as though his hands were about to touch a heavenly keyboard. It all comes down to thinking and responding better to the reality that you're faced with in the right here and right now, no matter how it is. The right here and right now in your life. I know that seems fluffy, but I'm telling you, as long as you're dwelling upon the truths of Christ and the realities of your life and the hope of God's promises to us, he will indeed carry you through if you embrace the change by trusting and obeying the Father. But as I'm sure you're aware, that's often easier said than done. Thinking and responding better, it takes guidance and practice and I haven't said it in a long time. Pick up your Bible. Start with 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening. Start your day and end your day. 10 minutes. You can do 10 minutes standing on your head just about. Read and drink it in. Study it. Alone with God. Don't have a bunch of other distractions. Get alone with God, his word, and prayer. Live your life as though each moment is indeed sacred and fleeting. Something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. Even the last moment. I want to encourage you to remember today as you go into your week, I want to encourage you, take the time to pray. Take the time to read and study God's Word. Take the time to reach out to a friend or a family member. To minister to them. Take the time to look around and see all that you have that God has provided you with and say, thank you, Father. You don't have to make a big show of it. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Just say, thank you, Father. Thank you. One last thing before I let you go. I love listening to my mother pray. Remember a little bit ago, I tell you, I used to pray these real eloquent prayers. Everybody used to ask me to pray. And I don't pray like that anymore. My mom is a person who prays beautifully. Her beauty, 
You just can't get enough of her prayer. She's so humble and so grateful to God for every little thing in her life. Next to God, with God, all things are indeed possible. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you. I pray that in your challenges this week, you rely upon God. And I also pray that if you're a person who doesn't have, you have not placed your faith in God. You don't know what I mean by being saved by the mercy and redemption of Christ. Contact me through any of the ways. There's so many ways to get a hold of me. Contact me. Don't stop trying to contact me until you get a hold of me. And we will lead you to the foot of the cross. And I guarantee you, your life will never be the same. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.